From our studios in Colleyville, Texas, it's the TWUIAM Association Tech Ops ASAP Podcast with host Brad Brueger. Take it away, Brad. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm Brad Brueger, and today we have a special guest from the Allied Pilots Association. We have Captain John DeLue, who is the chair of the APA's National Safety Committee. So before we get started, uh, John, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, and the history you have with American and, and the safety world? Thanks, Brad. I appreciate the introduction. My name is John DeLue, and I spent about 10 years flying the C-130 in the United States Air Force. And in 91, I got out, flying for American Airlines, flew the 727, and then transitioned to the MD-80. I flew that for about 25 years. And for the last five years, I have flown the 787 Dreamliner. So I'm very fortunate to have been flying for American for 30 years. In addition to the flying, I was been fortunate to be involved in the safety business for the last uh, 12 or 13 years. I got involved into the Aviation Safety Action Program, the ASAP program on the flight side, and got involved also as the chief accident investigator for a number of years. In fact, I still am for the Allied Pilots Association. And so uh, me and Brad's paths have crossed over the years, whether it was either in the ASAP program or also uh, at uh, accident investigations. In fact, uh, me and Brad spent some time down in Jamaica on our 737 crash. And I still see a lot of my uh, folks and friends from the association's accident team over the years at, unfortunately, many different events. But been involved primarily with the, all the different safety programs, whether it's ASAP, FOQA, or LOSA, and also the accident investigations. Okay, John, since you brought up FOQA, why don't you maybe explain to us what FOQA is and how it's used by the company and the union and what it's for? Be glad to do that. It's a great program uh, under SMS. It's one of the safety assurance programs. And FOQA stands for the Flight Operations Quality Assurance, FOQA. And uh, what this essentially is, it's almost similar to the DFDR that's on an aircraft, but the DFDR only holds 25 hours, whereas FOQA goes back 100 plus hours. And the intent behind that is that we take the FOQA data, and uh, as some of your AMTs know, because they do it, they download the data. And that data is sent back essentially to the company and APA. And what the the FOQA team does is they look for exceedances. So we're not talking about a two knots flap over exceedance. We're looking like a 10 to 15 knot flap exceedance, perhaps a gear exceedance. And we look at all the different events that come in that are exceedance. And those events then are given to the APA safety team. And we refer to them as FOQA gatekeepers. If there's an exceedance, then the FOCA gatekeeper will make a phone call to the pilot and we'll talk about the event. So, for instance, if there was uh, an event where the final flaps were selected at 800 feet or 700 feet, for instance, the FOQA gatekeeper would then call the pilot to find out what was the history behind it because FOQA is all black and white data and the phone call adds the color to the eventual picture. Sometimes an airplane might be out of exceedance, but that's because a cap declared an emergency and you wouldn't necessarily know that on the FOQA data. But the intent of this is not to go after individual pilots uh, what the intent is to get the aggregate data, because we might find there are certain airports where pilots are typically configuring late. And the reason is because the control tower there has kept us to have the speed kept higher, or they, what we call, had a slam dunk approach. So the idea behind this really is to capture exceedances and use the aggregate data. And we use this data at monthly data reviews where we present the data to try to determine, you know, do we have a certain hazard out there? Is there something we can fix? But it's part of the safety program. It's part of the safety department. There's no discipline attached to it. And if there is an event 
that we discover where the pilots did make a mistake, the focal gatekeepers will then recommend they also follow an ASAP report. And I know most of your listeners are familiar with ASAP, but that's what, uh, that's one way we bring that in from the FOCA data into the ASAP department. So what about LOSA? What, what does LOSA stand for and how does that work in the flight world? Thanks for the segue into the safety assurance piece, which is what it is part of. LOSA stands for the Line Operations Safety Audit. And so in our world, it makes it probably a little easier than the world you're in because what we can do is have a LOSA observer which is a pilot who is trained in observing flights. So he's not a chair chairman. Typically, many times they're first officers uh, with experience, and they'll ride on the jump seat of a flight. And so what we find with this, which is a great safety tool, is that when two pilots are flying together and they get a check ride, you kind of get what we call the angel effect. Just like I'm sure your AMTs know when someone's looking over the shoulder, they're doing everything by the book. But what LOSA does is these are pilots. It's a voluntary program, so you can not participate in LOSA if you don't want to. But generally, our pilots are all, it's okay, it's no problem. The LOSA observer will sit in the jump seat, and what he's looking to do is just sit there very quietly. He tries to chit-chat with the crew to kind of put them at ease. But essentially, what he's trying to capture is natural performance. Just seeing how crews handle certain events that come their way. If they have a maintenance issue, for instance, how do they make the phone calls? It's not determined to judge or give a check ride. It's all about capturing natural performance and how our crews are really performing. And with that data, we try to look at certain things that will affect our training. And it's a different variable to our program because typically, like I mentioned, a FOCO and ASAP. With FOCO and ASAP, you're usually calling crews for an exceedance. And ASAP crew members typically feel they made a mistake or have a general safety concern. But with LOSA, we try to look at also when things go well. So if a crew does an approach and does a go-around, and the go-around works flawlessly, they can capture why that crew did such a good job on the go-around. So it tries to capture why things went well, as well as, you know, when things don't go so well. So it's a great tool for safety because it's not just like Folkwell where you have to call someone or ASAP to report. You're actually having someone watch and observe the performance of the crew. So I guess a follow-on question here, because if I understand it right, you all sometimes take the information that you learn from LOSA and you may in- inject that into an annual training. That's correct. So you, you mentioned earlier that there's a difference in our work environments, but do you think that LOSA is something that could be done in maintenance? I, I do. And actually, I would support that. I think that's a great safety tool because you need to have someone who is a qualified current AMT who understands procedures and uh, understands the work environment. But if a crew is to go out and perform maintenance on a, on a for instance, on an engine, and you've got three or four mechanics there, this LOS observer would not be considered like he's supervising them or is giving a check ride. He's just part of the observation process and he's just quietly observing and talking to the crew afterwards. But it, what you get out of this is after the crew is finished, for instance, let's say they did some uh, work on an engine, the LOS observer might ask, well, you know, did this thing work well? And they go, yeah, it works pretty good, but these work cards are crazy. Okay, well, that that's pretty cool. Well, you would hope that the crew members would, the AMTs would put an ASAP report, but if they don't, at least we're capturing the fact that the mechanics are saying, hey, these work cards aren't the best work cards in the world. So when the LOSA auditor, observer, however we, whatever the term is, when they go see all that, they capture the data, but it's all anonymous and de-identified, correct? Totally, totally anonymous, totally identified. We, we're not interested in the names of the people. Now, what we might capture is experience level. For instance, you know, if a crew did make an error in that, uh, we try to capture, is it, you know, was it the captain flying? Or was it the first officer was flying? Sometimes that has a bearing on the atmosphere in the cockpit, for instance. 
Uh, we do know, for instance, uh, not just in LOSA, but we do know that typically when a first officer may be making an error in flight, the captain is quite easily to speak up. But when the roles are reversed and the captain is flying and makes a potential error, the first officer sometimes is more hesitant to speak up. So we've known this from ASAP reports, but it's validated through the LOSA program. Part of that's just our culture, but it's also something we, we want to identify and, and uh, acknowledge that fact. Okay, I guess I have another question. This is a little bit different. I think in in the maintenance world, we have an ASAP report option that we use. In the flight world, you have ASAP, but you also have what what was previously called a P2 report. And if I, if I understand it right, that's a required report in some cases. And can you explain why pilots have a required report and uh, the option for ASAP because it, that looks a little different than how it is in our world. So a P2 report, and I understand it's now called a pilot debrief. So just explain a little bit about what that is and why there's a difference in, in the flight operations world compared to us. Sure. That's, uh, that's, that's also an excellent question. Thank you, Brad, for asking, because I'm sure there might be some concern on that. So uh, the P2, which is now called a pilot debrief in the SIRS system or SIRS pilot debrief, the flight department has a requirement to report certain things to the FAA. So for instance, every time we declare an emergency in flight, that, that's reportable to the FAA. So these are required reports. So if we have a diversion, if we have a, you know, a lithium battery runaway, these are required reports uh, that we have to give to the flight department. The difference is ASAP is a voluntary report and they're confidential. The pilot debrief is a required report and it is not confidential. So what pilots typically will do if they have a, uh, a diversion to an airport, for instance, for weather, they'll file a pilot debrief in the search system, but they will also file a corresponding ASAP. And of course, they're handled differently. The ASAP is handled by the safety departments, of course. The pilot debrief is handled by the flight department. And we actually have a mechanism on the pilot debrief that if I file a pilot debrief, but I'm also going to file an ASAP for the same event, we'll check a box. And that way the flight department knows that we've also filed an ASAP for the event. So it's really for the flight department's awareness on certain events. But the flight department's very good at American that if there's an issue and the pilot has initiated also an ASAP for it, they essentially let the ASAP process handle any kind of issues. John, I'd like to ask you now about the value of the APA working with the association when we're talking about all these safety issues and the things that we do every day. What do you see the value in us working together? There are many times where a pilot will file an ASAP report uh, because either they've noticed that they made a mistake or there might have been something wrong. They might have missed on a pre-flight, for instance. And uh, so the, the pilots will file ASAP reports, but that in itself doesn't always determine the root cause. So we have a very good mechanism, as you know, Brad, where the ASAP programs talk to each other. So if it's something that might have involved something in the cabin, we have a cabin ASAP program or with a dispatcher, dispatch ASAP program. But many times we do a lot with the tech ops world because let's say we found something on the pre-flight that was not correct or we found an error in the logbook and we write, it, we write an ASAP report for that. We also want to reach out to the tech ops because the AMT that may have been involved, he also deserves ASAP protection. And so we, we want to make sure that we look at the root cause and we don't want to just, you know, it's not simply for protection, but it's also for determining what, what the problem was. And with just looking from the flight side, we might miss the background of what happened and how the mechanic or AMT might have missed something or actually did it correct and we assumed it was a mistake. And so working together is extremely valuable so we can actually improve safety because there are things that are out there that guidance we might have as pilots might be a little different from a guidance that an AMT has and the way to resolve those issues is it's, it's found on the flight line essentially. I have one final question for you John and it's kind of something that I've been fascinated by 
It seems like there's a lot of other industries that are looking to commercial aviation specifically and our safety programs that, that we all are partners in. Can you talk a little bit about those industries and kind of from your view, what do you see with other industries kind of looking at what we're doing? So being involved in ASAP for years, I what I've noticed is that when we go to other conferences or when I've talked to people from the industries, they're, they're very envious of our safety culture at American Airlines. Most airlines have an ASAP program and they have focal programs, they have LOSA, but as you know, ASAP was essentially started, the flight ASAP program was started at American Airlines. The Tech Ops ASAP program is probably the biggest contributor to the uh, ASAP programs in the United States. So, you know, the, the medical industry, I have a son who's a doctor, and of course he grew up hearing the word ASAP, and he has many times told me, you know, it's too bad the medical world hasn't embraced the ASAP program because they are more interested typically about litigation. And uh, we're not, we're concerned of that, of course, that too, but we're looking about safety. What can we do to improve safety? So uh, I think the safety culture at American Airlines is fantastic because we have big support from management for the ASAP programs. And, uh, you know, for us, it's all about figuring out where we might have a hazard in the situation and how we can mitigate the risk with that particular hazard. And you can't find hazards by sitting in a cubicle. The hazards are found by folks who are working on the flight line, pilots who are flying, flight attendants who are working, and identifying these these issues. And so what I what I would say is that my challenge would be to your listeners is that, you know, for the pilot world, we get about a thousand ASAP reports per month. A lot of times I'll talk to AMTs on the flight line. They'll mention something like this wasn't right, this isn't right. My challenge would be for the AMTs that are listening to this podcast is that I am certain there is some manual or work card that you know is not written correctly or doesn't work very well. And if you put an ASAP report in for that, if everybody, every AMT at American Airlines put an ASAP in once a year, we'd have 12,000 tech ops ASAP reports and we would definitely make us even safer than we currently are. Yeah, because we get about a thousand right now a year. So that'd be 12 times what we would normally get. Brad, you and your team would be very busy. We would be. You would get a lot of root cause. All right, John. So we're at the end of this podcast and I just want to give you an opportunity. Any final comments that you may have for the listeners? Yeah, I do actually. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, I flew the 727. I flew the the Mad Dog for 25 years and I'm on the 787. And uh, I will have to say that, you know, when I show up to an aircraft to go fly and I see the airworthiness release has been signed, I always feel that these planes are in great condition. I appreciate all the hard work and efforts that the AMT's put into making sure we have a safe operation. And I think our pilots are very comfortable with the level of safety we receive and the level of scrutiny the mechanics give to our aircraft. So thank you for all your hard efforts and time. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in, and hopefully this has been a a different look into how the APA and the TWIM Association kind of put our heads together and work over safety issues, and I hope it was informative. Hey, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next podcast. To submit questions or comments, email techopsasap at gmail.com. That's T-E-C-H-O-P-S-A-S-A-P at gmail.com. The Tech Tops ASAP podcast is produced by Tommy Engel.